0: Hi everyone, I'm Emma, a certified dog trainer, and I'm Kirsten, a certified dog behavior consultant, and this is Dog Chats. Join us as we chat about dog behavior, having fun with your dogs, and building relationships. We will offer practical advice and a bit of humor.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 13, Emma's favorite number. (laughs) Uh, I was a little worried about having an episode 13, uh, but I, I can assure you this is going to be one of our probably our most intellectual and interesting podcasts yet. We're going to discuss the social intelligence of dogs, the fact that they have to network with other dogs, humans, sometimes cats sometimes horses. I mean, it's phenomenal how much genius they display in their social skills and emotional skills.
0: So we thought we would start with going back to wolves, because that's what everybody seems to connect with. Mm -hmm. We'll go into more discussion about that connection a little later. But we thought we would start with the word alpha, because Mm -hmm. that's a big trigger.
1: Americans love that word.
0: Yes, and kind of have stuck with it. So we're going to go into a little bit of history about that. Uh, as trainers, we, there's a lot of us that work differently and may still use that word alpha. So we thought we would tell you a little bit about it, mm-hmm. where it came from, how it connects to the wolves. And then we'll talk about dogs and their social interaction with each other. So back in the 1970s, there was a book published by David Mech that talked about alpha. He put the word alpha there for the leader of the wolf pack. And his book was based on some research that was done many years previous to that with some captive wolves, Mm -hmm. which have a totally different dynamic. And so as time went on and science advanced, he looked back at what he had done with the word alpha and said that that no longer was what he thought it was. Right. Because the research was done with captive wolves who were making their own sort of pecking order because it wasn't the same as out in the wild. Yeah, and I think they were all males. And they could have been all males too. So he then kind of got into more research of looking at wolves out in the wild and their social network. And he found that it was more the mating males and females that looked like the leaders, uh, if we're going to put it that way. And that they then had their offspring, and then sometimes the older uh, wolves would also be kind of having that that system in place. Mm -hmm. And so... So Dominance
1: theory is right, what what we're getting at.
0: So let's talk about alpha and dominance, because they do kind of for some reason they stick together. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And you know, I said how Americans love the word alpha. It some of this comes back from our military roots and this idea of, you know, having a subordinate and somebody who's in charge of everybody. And so there is a big part of American culture, I believe, that respects the leader and thinks that in order to be a leader, you have to put force or pressure on other members in the group. Um and unfortunately, that original model, that dominance model, showed that, that there was going to be one person who was, the, you know, the most forceful, the most assertive, and the other people would kind of fall to whatever that person said, and then that transferred to these, I'm pretty sure it was six young males, which would never happen in the wild, Right. Wolves. Wolves. Six (laughs) young male men, wolves um, in captivity that was being studied. And that's where, you know, he did see the the original researcher, some of this pinning and rolling a lot of that um, ritualized aggressive behavior meaning lots of noise, lots of showing of teeth, lots of body language without actual damage done. Yeah. And, and we're going to get to that later.
0: And his revised version of, of what he was seeing too with with Wolves in the Wild is that, yes, uh, there is dominance, but we use the word dominance in such like a pinning down yeah. and stuff like that. Yep. His version of, of dominance is like, you know, somebody that the, the wolf is kind of looking out, mm-hmm. and by by showing good example, he's leading the others. Yeah. And he said he very rarely was seeing pinning down or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but he saw it, but it wasn't happening that much, that it was mostly them directing.
1: Right, that ritualized um, aggression.
0: Yeah, that, you yeah. know, what, the, what, what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And
1: that also I think it's important to point out that it was the mama and papa wolf were typically the alpha wolves. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll get into that later, but that became this whole idea of um, the parenting our dog, parenting yes. the pack, but that it wasn't, you know, the strongest wolf in the pack that became the dominant one. It was often the one that was giving birth to everybody.
0: Yes. The ones that were busy mating. <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So transitioning that into the way we throw around alpha now with dogs, mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense. No. Um, because first of all, dogs aren't pack animals, nope. right? Let's nope. even look at that. the, yeah. the difference between, uh, you know, always comparing dogs to wolves, Yeah, they're not pack animals. Even street dogs occasionally will form packs for a very short time mm-hmm. and then kind of disperse and be doing their own thing. Yeah,
1: very fluid dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because when dogs and wolves evolved away from their common ancestor, I'm just gonna say it because that's what I believe dogs became scavengers. They were not in a pack hunting together. They were more scavenging, eating human waste garbage, you know, the leftover meat. You can't have a pack fighting over the garbage. It's more like a coyote. Like it's much better to have one just kind of quietly coming in. So socially, dogs don't live in packs, even in the wild, like you were saying, and even unknown dogs, the street dogs in parts of our world are... Are more fluid.
0: Yes. So let's talk about the family dynamic as in the humans and the dog. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would see that as a pack. That the the, the human family is a pack. The human family with
1: their dog. Well, sure, because they want to be the alpha if they're the parent, right? That feels good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And And we do hear the word alpha, like he's being alpha. Right. Um, or he
1: is alpha. Like, or he
0: is alpha. or yeah. he's been very dominant. And mm-hmm. like I said, dominance, that word is is there, but in a different way than we're using it. Yeah. Uh, So for our dogs, let's chat about how their social network works and how our word alpha doesn't really work with that dynamic. Mm -hmm.
1: So you can kind of guess that M and I are leading you to the understanding that...
0: Are we being alpha?
1: (laughs) We are. (laughs) We're being a little dominant. Um, That the the pack theory is no longer really accepted as science for dogs. Mm -hmm. It still probably certainly applies to the science for
0: wolves. Yes.
1: I am not uh, a wolf expert, so I and can't I speak that. And I am not that. a scientist. So, yeah. you know. so that, that lupomorph theory, making dogs into wolves, is no longer accepted as science. What came next was what they called the baby morph theory. In other words, like dogs are our babies. Well, if the alpha wolves are the parents, Kirsten's a parent, and so I am alpha to my two girls. Um, and, and we kind of went with that for a while, you know, parent your dog But it's not necessarily accurate because 80% of dogs in the world are unowned. And there's plenty of street dogs that aren't treated like children, that don't come to the door needing all their resources controlled. And it also doesn't explain having the adult dogs in your home. It might be that way. Like when you have a puppy, your puppy, it could be more of a parent-child relationship. But if you have an adult dog who's 14 and probably so much wiser than you in so many ways, it's closer to a friendship if -hmm. we're looking at like human social networks
0: i i like that i like that thought and that's just something kind of new to me mm-hmm. that, that you have mentioned and we've started discussing uh because i always you know when people talk about my dogs being alpha he's trying to be the leader of the pack i i Talk about family dynamics Mm -hmm. and how you know you're just the leader and you're just giving direction stepping in when you need to just watching and letting good choices be made yeah um at other times but i also like this thing of like they are a puppy but then they're an adult dog
1: right and and just much more competent Mm -hmm. than say the child um so that idea of the parent stepping in i think that's very common and i think there is that parent leader role in human families Um, But a true alpha, if we're going to use the scientific word of alpha, when they study like the horses in a herd, it's the animal that doesn't have to do much. It's not the animal doing corrections. It's not the animal um, pinning anybody down. It's the one who's actually got so much control over the group that they don't have to do those aggressive assertive displays. So the stallion is typically there's one stallion and he's Mm -hmm. the alpha horse. Yes. But then the alpha female is called the passive leader. And -hmm. it's because she doesn't fight that everybody actually likes her. Nobody likes the stallion. Because he fights. Because he's an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Okay. All right. So 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 yeah, so this idea of of dogs having these fluid relationships, Mm -hmm. it's kind of amazing. Um, you know, and it's not that there isn't status in the world right? No. Or dominance.
0: Let's talk about that in humans before we talk about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Because I, when I think about myself, like I, sometimes I imagine I'm kind of a dominant person, you know, because I like to be in control. I'm a type A person who pretends to be type B. Like everybody's (laughs) like, you're so calm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm working my ass off to look calm right now. Um, But there are certainly situations like when I walk into even the pharmacy and I'm, having to wait for my pharmacist to come over, you know, I'm not dominant there because I'm not going to get what I want if I'm an asshole. Right. You Uh know, uh Uh, assertiveness only works at certain times. And, and, you know, if I think about my relationship with my big brother, Mm -hmm. I'm definitely the little sister. Yeah you know it's we have all these different relationships, different
0: dynamics different like dynamics. you know and every day can change one day yes. you're like up front and you're the one taking control and the next day you're sitting back and somebody else is taking yep. control so that's why that whole alpha thing doesn't make sense right. because you're not all the dog isn't always out front like making decisions on everything all the time and everybody else is just sitting back it's just environment and what's happening at that very moment so
1: true yep um because status is real like I always think of Trish King
0: saying status is
1: real and you see this at a dog park there's two dogs playing that gate opens a third dog walks in and there is a little bit of hey the same thing I think that happens at a bar who's this guy What's his, What are his moves? You know, what? what's he wearing tonight? Um, all of that is very real, but it's constantly changing. It's not like, uh, you know, Fido is alpha dog with every single dog in that dog park. No. And the fact that that's constantly changing, that's why I say dogs are social geniuses. Because it's adapting,
0: adjust. yeah. yeah, adjusting and, and reading and that's each other. It's the same with a lot of animals. And, and mm-hmm. if you really think about a dog park, now we're really getting into it, right? <laughs> a dog park is like the dogs in there are not. F- part of a family they're all different they're put in there together Mm -hmm. they're going to have different dynamics the pecking order changes every time another dog almost goes in there it changes the whole dynamic and how it looks and they're it's not always set like it's not the same set of dogs that are always in there so we could actually look at it and say okay that's what it looks like it's continuously changing so there's nothing that we can look at and say well, we can look at body language and all of that, but nothing that we can say, oh, that's the dog that's being the alpha. Yeah, it's so fluid. Yes.
1: Yeah. And then there's, you know, the kind of assertive behaviors that come out in play, which mm-hmm. some of that play, Ray Coppinger's theory was that it's practicing these social relationships and practicing, you know, how to read each other very dramatically and inviting and engaging and chase. And um, it's, it used to prepare dogs for hunting and gathering out in the wild. And now I think it just prepares them for reading each other in their communities.
0: Tell me a little bit about one of the things that you mentioned that's really interesting to me is sort of the the dynamics you were saying between the social interactions with humans and then with other dogs and then with cats or whatever else, squirrels or whatever yeah, they yeah. might see dogs
1: have to grow up learning how to read other dogs and we talked about this in the body language episode but and it's crazy how hard that is sometimes with different breeds you know like a pug trying to read a britney spaniel and vice versa and um so they they speak so many different languages anyway and then you think about adding a human to that and the human response in these studies they've done with human agonistic responses in other words a human yelling at a dog (laughs) Um, And it's amazing because they um, map the faces through that uh, facial action. So, you know, the dogs are on the computer screen and they're monitoring them. And then somebody comes in room and yells at the dog and how it's so beautiful how often they all turn away. And and if the person yells, I can't remember now because it's right brain or left brain, but dogs will turn one way, look down, be diminutive, you know, all these calming gentle signals to try to calm that human down where I think humans think of dogs as coming in like trying to pick a fight and assertive and so much of what the dog is doing is just trying to say hey this is how I'm feeling right now yeah. to the other dog and you know you might get a little barking you might get the teeth showing but that's to prevent a problem that's that economy of behavior it's I don't actually want to fight you I just want some space I just want you to back off. But then when humans come at dogs hard and the dog acts very polite and looks away, the humans think,
0: huh, I just put that dog in his place. When really that, that dog is just preventing a bad interaction. Yes. And, and the putting in their place Mm. is something that happens again with, with that old method that we seem to be stuck in.
1: Yeah.
0: Pinning down. Yeah. Can I jump in and tell a story about that? Absolutely. on the drive to your house. Absolutely.
1: uh Absolutely. So in 1995, I had a Catahoula puppy. She was four months old, and I went to what was then called the Marin Obedience School in Kent Field. And day one, they had us, for, after we put the choke chains on the dog, I mean, this was 95, right? <laughs> and I didn't bring it, like, they handed you a choke that was, chain, That but was normal. Was it? That, was, that uh, was the norm. We started with the alpha roll. Wow. And I'm like, Looking around the room, thinking, "This isn't like, does anybody else see this?" Is nuts. I have a four-month-old puppy, but they're all doing it. You know, like these old ladies are getting on their knees on the Kent Middle School gym floor, kneeling, holding the the poodle down. The owner, I mean, the the class teacher instructor had a King Charles, and I was like, we're, "Why are you holding down your King Charles?" And she's explaining, "We have to do this, so they understand that we're the leader, so they don't quit." And it, it felt so wrong. I never wanted to I back.
0: just, I don't understand as humans how we We think we're so smart. Yeah. And then we were doing something <laughs> so like ridiculous. Right. Um. You know, it just, just back to the book that was published in 1970, the man cannot get that to not be published it continues to be published and people buy it yeah um even though he has changed his it's not that he's changed his mind but he said something wonderful like science evolves Mm -hmm. and it has evolved from the time that he did his research and that's why it's changed yeah he didn't have all the information he didn't have all the information and and it's still the same we're talking about this and in another five years we'll have discovered something else that we didn't think about so always always good to be evolving and not stuck in that that image of that's what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to be. Yeah. We're already, like, humans are already, like, that icky, dominant yeah. <laughs> crap Look, that's what going on in the world. You know what I mean? But, oh. but why did we think we had to pretend we were a wolf? Why did we think? And, yeah. you know, and even...
1: As much as I just said that we're moving away from the parent-child theory, mm. can you imagine if you're in Target and some kid starts asking <laughs> for something and the parent turns around and, like, pins her three-year-old on the ground?
0: I know. Like know. We'd, we'd all be arrested. All oh, totally. Totally be arrested. Yeah.
1: And, uh, and yet
0: yeah. we were told,
1: I, I feel like by our culture, that that was what we needed to do to be yeah. good yeah. leaders. Yeah.
0: And why did mm. we decide a dog needed to mm. be... Because they so, take it, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know why we... We didn't have bad dogs. Like, it wasn't yeah. like, oh, we must do this because they're going to eat us if we don't. Right. You know? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's that whole... We the, have
0: much more respect for a lion coming up to us, yeah. <laughs> or a bear, than we do, you know, we just go, okay, I'm walking away, I'm not going to bother you. So true. But with the dog, we're just like, yeah, because we can.
1: Because we can. And yeah. And this very new idea that all dogs need training, you know, they really lived with humans for 30,000 years. And it's basically since the the 90s, maybe, Mm -hmm. that we decided pet dogs need to be trained.
0: Yes. And I know that's our job. That's our job. That's how Mm -hmm. we started. And we, you know, are considered dog trainers. But if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know, our frame of mind is is changing, that there's, the way we look at it now is we're giving skills that you can live together happily, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't mean that you have to have your one-minute sit stay in a perfect position right um that we're working on calmness and just relaxation and being able to function and be off leash and all that great stuff to work together
1: and that is just trying to help the pet dog live in our crazy environment
0: yes because we've changed that too we're going to look at history over the last 30 years or whatever even since 1970, when that book mm-hmm. came out, is that, yeah, our environments changed. Dogs were, as as we've also mentioned in another podcast or another episode, that dogs used to be kind of hanging out much more, you know, like out in your front lawn. More choice. And you didn't really have to lock the gate. They yeah. just hung out like that was their home. Like I used to go out to my grandmother's during the summer and all the farm dogs would be in their areas. There wouldn't be any gates. Yeah. They just come out barking to to their boundary, but they never go out any further than that. Yeah, like they had they had their space, and how we've changed that, and really kind of packed it into not really having much choice about mm-hmm. anything. So true. Um, I want I
1: want to segue back, if you don't mind. Yes.
0: Oh, yeah. We could go on. We're like <laughs> we're like so excited about this because
1: um, one of the things that Emma and I were talking about earlier was the fact that dogs are often compared to wolves, right? Mm -hmm. And how dogs are about as similar to wolves genetically as we are to apes. Yet nobody's walking around saying, you know, humans evolved from apes, so we should be grooming each other or or this or that. You know, we just, that's absurd to make that um, comparison. And that dogs are actually most more socially and genetically connected to dingoes Mm-hmm. and jackals and coyotes more solitary type animals that aren't pack animals um and that dogs self-selected by following yes. humans around this is the theory
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you know eating our garbage eating our leftover food um and then they were selected a second time through artificial selection where dingoes also self-selected because they would come to the camps and it, but they were never kind of captured and then made pets and domesticated again, with artificial selection. But if, you know, if you really want to think about your dog as a wild animal, think more dingo than wolf. That will yes. maybe help you understand the, the lack of pack mentality. actually looks like a dingo. She does. A very <laughs> handsome thing.
0: <laughs> and back to the social interactions, one of the things that, you know, we both do before we do this is we kind of you know, read and look at stuff. And one of the things came up when I was kind of looking into social interactions was research that's done that for us as humans, that we are more social with humans if you have a dog. Mm -hmm. So I know that's kind of not their social network, but I think that's fascinating to think that we are more social because we have a dog. And there's obvious reasons. Like if somebody else has a dog, you're going to go up and talk to them and your dogs are going to interact with each other. Yeah. Which creates something different than if you were just walking around without a dog. People rarely say hi to, you, even when you're on a trail these days. Yeah. So just even that social interaction, how that's created. Yeah. Is fascinating too.
1: Not only do dogs make us more social, they also kind of feed our social energy, literally our oxytocin, our stress hormone, the good feeling when we're looking at our dog, we're touching our dog. Studies show that even making eye contact with a dog produces that hormone. It's similar to the mother-child mm-hmm. or the romantic relationship hormone. Um, so I know it's odd, but it's the <laughs> same hormone. It's, it's very cool. Um, and I've had clients say to me, you know, I'm overwhelmed by my love for my dog. Like it's, I'm almost embarrassed for people to know how much I love my dog. But... It's natural, and it's this this beautiful chemical thing that happens because okay. the stress hormones and because of that attachment bond. Similar to the attachment studies done with parents and children, you know, um, there were studies done where the child was left in the room, and then the parent came in, and they watched, oh, the child would talk to the parent, play with the parent, the ch- parent leaves, stranger comes in and the child, you know, doesn't want to interact with a stranger. Yes. So they did a very similar study where they copied it with dogs, um, and it was almost identical mm-hmm. with dogs wanting to be with, you know, their proposed guardian as opposed yes. to a stranger. Yet I think we expect dogs to love all strangers.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that is a whole episode on its own, yeah. right? That that we just, when people say, can I say hi to your dog, we see people going, go say hi. Yeah and the dog doesn't want to be petted by every person that's out there unless you're a golden retriever or you're a therapy dog right (laughs) you you just and that's usually a golden retriever where they just want they're like just anything you want yeah like you know and buddy's you know chihuahua but he's kind of like that too he's like that feeds me so i enjoy that Mm -hmm. but But a lot of dogs, um, you know, especially if they're very cute looking, get a lot of attention. And sometimes you can see them kind of going, yeah, I'm dealing with this, but I don't love it. Right. And how usually the dogs will read that. Yes. And we need to help
1: humans, I think, read that more. Yeah, we need to be smarter. And I was working with a client in the Tiburon Bike Path today with what I would call a very normal dog who's... You know, semi-dog selective, great mm-hmm. with most dogs. And this giant old golden retriever was being pulled over towards us with the owner. And the dog was sending all these great messages, bristling the hair, looking away, lifting the lip. And the golden retriever was like, doo, 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 doo. hi, I'm coming in to say hi. <laughs> uh, and of course it went, bah, 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 right? Which is total normal. That's yes. that, that display so that there isn't a conflict. So there doesn't have to be that encounter. Um, but you know, you can imagine the golden retriever's face. Woman, sorry, and yes, the golden yes, retriever yes, both yes. like, oh, you know,
0: yes. How did this happen? How did this happen?
1: We're just so we we love everyone.
0: Yes, yes. And that very same dog you were talking about, with a smaller dog or with yep. a different dog, or off leash, could have a totally different
1: yeah. reaction. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yeah.
0: So so that's fascinating. So the dynamics are always changing the environment is changing mm-hmm. it. The what's in the environment, the people, uh, the right. dogs. Right, we're acting, you
1: know?
0: Uh, yeah, everything changes Changes behavior, yeah. which is fascinating.
1: So fluid. You know, uh, j- just this idea of evolution,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: when we looked at wolves, and I keep talking about these aggressive displays and how so much of it is like, you know, doing the, yeah, what do you got? Dance
0: mm-hmm. kind of
1: thing. Um, so we, when you know, we think about wolves as having all of these um, agonistic displays or aggressive displays, just to make their point. So they don't have to fight. So they're avoiding conflict. Mm-hmm. And what happened when humans were later genetically selecting among dog breeds? Um, we messed with some of that. We took, let's say, the guardian dogs, and we took away some of those warning signs. Yes. And uh, then we bring those guardian dogs to the dog park and the other dogs are like hey man i didn't know that you wanted space and that's confusing and that's something we did right yes
0: yes you know uh, well,
1: i mean i think just circling back to talking about the the social genius of dogs they are not necessarily pack animals but yeah. they have evolved to learn how to live in human families pet yes. dogs yes um despite all these artificially selected things that we either you know, yeah. added or took away from their natural behaviors,
0: yeah. and uh, and we have to and we have to look at the if we're going to research like if we're going to start comparing dogs to wolves, I think really what we should be doing is doing the research of what the dog. And the family, human family dynamic is and do research on how they communicate with each other rather than looking at wolves and wolf packs and and how how they're doing stuff. So we have to look at we have enough now time where we've we've been together as dogs and humans that we could be doing that research and looking at that.
1: Yep. Uh, rather
0: it. than just keep keep comparing to wolves and what we need to do to dominate. Right. To, you know, right. And our we...
1: you know, expecting dogs to be wolves. Yes. Um
0: and if you ever have seen a hybrid or a wolf, you know that there's a big difference. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, so
1: I love that. So that's that's our call to action and it's probably out there and maybe you and I are gonna go find maybe it. Or you're gonna go find it. Or somebody will email yes. it to us. But uh, yeah. we wanna talk about, you know, the, the human family network and dogs roles, pet dogs roles in that um, and how that communication system will then mirror behavior competencies.
0: Yeah. So we're going to finish up on this topic, but we're going to mention a couple of things. One of them being is if you have something you want us to discuss, please email us because we're open to that. We've got a couple of suggestions already. Um, I check email like five times a day for there the podcast. You go. Well, there you go. Send it. Send it to Kirsten. Then
1: <laughs> no, no, the <laughs> to the podcast.
0: the um, podcast. And then um, also, just because it's summer. It, it, obviously, it depends when you listen to this episode. But it is June um, of 2020. Even though it doesn't right feel now. like it today, uh, it doesn't feel like okay. it in California today. It's raining. But want to remind you that there is episodes on summer outings and camping. Mm-hmm. So those are episodes that we did last year. We're almost a year wow. into our podcast. So want to say if you are doing hey, those happy things, anniversary. Well, we'll do that next month. We'll have a big anniversary oh, uh, episode. Um, so if you're interested in that and want some more information, go check it out. And then lastly,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we want to do a little update.
1: Yes. About the garage sale. Yes. um, And the money that we raised for the Limerick Animal Welfare Sanctuary.
0: Which was one of our episodes, too, where we interviewed Marian Fitzgibbon.
1: Yep. Uh, And they had uh, a goal of raising $10,000 themselves for their vet clinic. And we were able to contribute
0: three thousand five hundred mm-hmm. very nice so we're very happy with that we're we're going to try and get to five thousand by the end of the year yeah. so we have some other stuff uh that we're going to do but just wanted to give you an update if you uh did hear that episode you got in there you gave some donations uh, donations to the garage sale or or online we really appreciate it go check that episode out if you haven't checked it out yet
1: excellent Thanks for tuning in today and hope you'll join us for our next
0: episode. You can reach Emma at ecdogtraining.com or on Instagram at ecdog underscore training and Kirsten at
1: kwhappydogs.com or on Facebook at kwhappydogs. Don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.